unpopular opinions on Cher, the GOP, Notre Dame, and our unhealthy society. Irishman stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This, of course, is the show exclusive to the Blaze, where you come for the accent, but you stay for the principles. Or for today's show, you're going to stay for the unpopular opinions, because I've got a few that are going to make you go, ooh, and make you question yourself a lot. I want to start today by talking to you about some a story that really frustrated me this week. And for me, it's a perfect problem with society today, both in America, in Ireland, in England, in Europe. It happens all the time. And it's political discourse. And I want to talk to you about the issue first, but then I want to take a step back and just take a, a step back from the actors involved and just talk to you about the principles. So earlier this week, a person who... I don't know anything about, again, if you're a long-term listener, you know I'm not exactly cool and hip, so, you know, with culture and who these people are and what they do, I don't know. So she could be really good, she could be really bad, know nothing. The person I'm talking about is Cher. I know she's a singer, but after that, you got me. Like, if you say to me, name one of her songs, it could be a long way for me. You know, I could Google it, but that seems like a lot of work for me to do that I'm just not into right now. Um, but yeah, Cher came out, and she's got a blue check mark on Twitter, so I know it's her. You know, it's she's verified. And she said, and I quote, I understand helping struggling immigrants, but my city, in capital letters, Los Angeles in brackets, isn't taking care of its own. What about the 50,000-plus American flag citizens who live on the streets? People who live below poverty line and hungry? If my state can't take care of its own, in brackets, many are vets, end bracket, how can it take care of more? End quote. Now, as you can expect, this got a lot of conversation going. A lot of people were unhappy that Cher would dare say something like this. And there was a lot of reaction from people on the right, quote-unquote, who were like, Hey, welcome to the Republican Party. There were people who were like, Yeah, she's a conservative now? What? Okay, first off. Now, I get this is a hot topic issue for me. And I get it, but we have to start dealing in truth. I literally lost my head when I saw Republicans respond this way and conservatives respond this way. I get it, it's a hot topic issue for me and it's close to my heart, but can we stop with the bullcrap? Can we stop with the propaganda that the Republican Party are all of a sudden somehow great on legal immigration? How what she said is, is what the Republican Party have always said and always stood for. Can we? This is Soviet-level propaganda, if you think that's what the Republican Party stands for. 
The Republican Party are just as bad as the Democrats when it comes to immigration. You don't believe me? Let me prove it to you. Let me back up my words. Because I know that's going to upset a lot of people who are listening going, well, did you just say the Republican Party are are, are involved in Soviet-style propaganda? Yes. When it comes to immigration. Because when it comes to primary season... You'll have all these people going, oh, I'm a conservative and we need to shut the border and we need to, we need a strong border and we need to, you know, legal immigration. We need all these things. And then when it comes to, you know, general elections and when it comes more importantly to, hey, you got elected, you go to Congress, guess what happens? Oh, you know, gee golly, you know, the border's just not that important anymore. And, you know, what we need is amnesty and we need gangs of eights to come together and and put all these bills together. And, you know, we just, you know, look, I got other important things to deal with. Let me give you some of the quotes from the Republican Party when it comes to the border. And these are not like 10, 20 years ago. I'm talking in the last three, four years. Let me give you some quotes, and I quote, Oh, they just acted out of love. End quote. Another quote from a Republican. These are not Democrats, by the way. These are Republicans. Yeah, look, yeah, they crossed the border, and yes, that's a crime, but look, it's not a felony. So they should stay. End quote. Another quote. Yeah, they look, but they pick lettuce. They do all the jobs the Americans won't do. I think that last part was paraphrased, but they pick lettuce was a quote. They do jobs Americans won't do is another one. I have personal experience as someone who has been around the GOP in the past. When I used to say, hey, can I, can I talk to you about legal immigration? Because here's my story. When do you ever hear anyone talk about legal immigration? I spoke about this two weeks ago. When do you ever see people talking, this is what I'm for? And I actually highlight the stories of a friend of mine who married someone who it cost her and him $10,000 and about six months of their lives to get married and for him to come over to America legally. When do you ever hear things like that? And yet somehow you have all these caravans, oh yeah, come on in. They are both horrific when it comes to illegal immigration. It's just one side says, you know what, gosh, you know, conservatives and you know, those people who are for legal immigration, you know what, I'm on your side, but I'm really not. I'm going to pretend to you, I'm going to give you lip service. But when it comes to actions, I'm going to do squat. The other party's just like, yeah, we, we believe in open borders, so what? Both sides need it. So can we stop with the myth? Look, I know this is going to pee off a lot of people. Some of you may have even stopped listening. But this is the truth. We have to believe and act in truth and call out our own side when it's needed. The second reason I dislike this, what do you think is going to happen? So let's just say, and again, I don't know Cher. I don't know her her actions. I don't know her um, motives. I don't know what type of person she's like. She could be horrible. She could be really bad. She could be anything. I don't know her. I don't know anyone close to her. But let's just take what she said and how she acted as just a microcosm of society. Let's just say she is a a big progressive. Maybe she is. She's in Hollywood. Or maybe she is a progressive in public because that's what you have to be to work in Hollywood and to be a singer. But either writer, let's just say she's like a big progressive. And she puts out this tweet. 
what would your reaction be? You see someone on the street, let's forget the social media side, you see someone on the street and someone says that to you, what's your first reaction? My first reaction is, and maybe this is just how I'm different, my first reaction is, I totally agree. Yes. And then if, it, if they know who I am or I, that I stand, I'm a conservative, you know, forget, not that I'm freedom's disciple or I'm on the blaze or any of that irrelevant stuff, but just they know I'm a conservative. And they're like, oh, I would say, yes, I totally agree with you. That's exactly what I've been saying for the longest time. It's just, you know the difference between your, your message, what you just said in that tweet and what I say? Is you just said about Los Angeles. I say it about America. But I also say it from a principal point of view. Because you get understand helping struggling immigrants. I do too. I just want them to do it the right way. That there are people who, you know, America has a right to vet its people that are coming into its country. Yeah, we want to help people. Emma Lazarus, the poem on the Statue of Liberty, is about helping struggling immigrants. It was the biggest slam on Europe. Give me your tired, your weak, and your huddled masses yearning to breed free. You know what that's saying? That is saying, you know, all Europe, you know, you have a class system. You know, all the people you say can't make it? That are, you know, you're not from the right class, or you're not from the right family, or you don't have the right education, or you don't live in the right address, or you don't have the right income status. You know all that stuff you say, those people who don't have all the right stuff? You know all those people? Give me all those people, and let them be free, and I will give them an opportunity. And they can have the will and the opportunity to work for freedom. To have a better life. Because in your society, they're deemed not worthy. And they will never, ever achieve anything. But in my society, where I give opportunity to everyone, they have an opportunity to rise up. To have the rags to riches story. I'm all for helping struggling immigrants. Let's have a conversation. Did that happen? Did any of that happen? Nope. It was, well, welcome to the Republican Party. Welcome to be a conservative. Make America great again, share. Ha, ha, ha. What do you think is going to happen? Let me ask you a question. Imagine you said something three years ago. And the reaction to you was, welcome to Barack Obama. Welcome to the Democratic Party. What would your gut reaction be? Gut reaction. No, I'm not, I'm not one of those. It shuts conversation down. Now, fast forward to 2019. What do you think that's going to do? People are going to see your reactions saying, welcome to the Republican Party. And this is going to have to start a cycle. And it's a cycle that repeats over and over and over and over again. Someone comes out and says something, and then they get put back into line because people say, why are you helping conservatives shut up and sit down? And then you have our reaction going, well, welcome to the Republican Party, baby. So she tweeted two days later, and I quote again, I agree that Dems still don't get it. They're playing politics, and Trump's playing butcher your enemies and create constant mayhem. He's a he's ignorant tug with lizard brain that guarantees his survival above all else. If Dems are waiting for him to have epiphany, good effing luck. He has a black heart and a soul of poison. Congratulations. 
You just kept the cycle going. It just keeps going round and round and round. Someone, I don't know her motives for that tweet. She could have been just looking to antagonize a few things. Or maybe she was looking to have a conversation. But yet, because of the reaction of so many on both sides, she was put back in her box. And then it was like, well, I got to prove my stripes. I got to say something really mean and nasty about Donald Trump. I got to say he is a black heart and he's got a heart of poison. And then conservatives who were like, you know what, welcome to the Republican Party, all of a sudden were like, ah, I, I don't like you anymore. You're saying Trump has a black heart. It just continues and it continues and it continues. Now here's the truth. I love your country. I, I, I hope this is not up for question. I'm on your side. I'm on the side of principles. I think you are an exceptional nation. I spend a lot of my time trying to prove you're an exceptional nation. But this politics, if you continue on this path, guys, you're going to lose. And you're going to lose bigly. And I mean huge. Because if you make things about politics, politics has way too much influence on your society. You know, if you go back and read the Founding Fathers and the, the, the letters, if you said to any Founding Father that, you know what, the President is going to be the most powerful man in the world, and he, what he literally says, America's going to live or die over, they would roll in their graves. The reason they had the term President was because it was the lowest title they could find back then. It wasn't some noble title. It wasn't like, wow, you're president. Oh, my God, you're awesome. It was more like, you're president. Well, you know, you're just above, I don't know, charge hand. That's literally the level you're at. You literally have in America, everything is decided by Donald Trump. If Donald Trump says something, half of the country is going to be think it's great, and half of the country thinks it's going to crap. How does this ever change? How does this ever cycle change? We have to break the cycle. And the only way I can see us breaking the cycle is by having conversations. By actually making things about principles. That regardless of who says it, you know, there's certain principles that I stand for. This show stands for. The Constitution been one of them. Life been another. I don't care who you are. I don't care who, you know, you could be Nancy Pelosi and make a comment about the free market. I'll be like, that comment is absolutely right. Now, I may question the motives behind it because it's Nancy Pelosi, but I'll make it. I've done this in the past. You know, I, I laughed after 2016, the election. I was like, all my liberal friends all of a sudden found federalism. We're like, hey, states' rights. That's how we can fight Donald Trump. And I was like, absolutely right. I question your motives, whether you'll actually be consistent on those issues, being, you know, when you get the White House in 2020 or 2024 or 2028 or whenever it is, I, I don't think you'll be still saying states' rights then, but, you know, we call it on the show. We'll be for truth. We'll be for principles. If Barack Obama all of a sudden came out and go, you know what, you know, George Washington was right. And I'd be like, yeah, he's right. Why are you saying it? I'd question your motives. But it's about principles. Which do you want to be for? Do you want to be for principles or do you want to be for people? Do you want to be for principles or do you want to be for party? Because here's another unpopular opinion for you. The Republican Party play you an awful lot. Guys, I'm not here to talk about politics to you. 
But you have to wake up when it comes to the Republican Party. And you need to start actually questioning people. And you need to actually question with boldness what people's motives are. It's the easiest thing in the world to say things. It's the easiest thing in the world. I can say anything I want. I could come out tomorrow and start sputing communism. I could start. I could talk to you about the Communist Manifesto and how great Karl Marx was. Now, I would hope that a lot of you go, what the hell has happened to John? Like, he's never talked about communism in a good way. I would hope you'd question me. But just because I say things doesn't mean I actually do them. I may go, you know what, socialism is great, but then not live under the principles of socialism. Doesn't make me a socialist. Same way from the Republican Party point of view. I can spout all the Republican, you know, traditional principles. If I don't act on them and I don't legislate that way and I don't govern that way, are you really a Republican? Are you? There's a question for you. Because I'm getting really frustrated when it comes to immigration, but I'm also really frustrated when it comes to other issues. Like life issue. You see, I told you it was going to be an unpopular show. No one likes talking about life. I'm sick and tired of the Republican Party being deemed a pro-life party. Yet, when you've held all the power, you still didn't defund Planned Parenthood. Here's the other last thing I would say on this issue. The Republican Party, this is the last fact I'll say to you about how they're not pro-legal immigration. The Republican Party held the House and the Senate and the presidency, both under Donald Trump and George Bush. What happened on the border? What happened on the border? You know, for all your, yeah, we want legal immigration, what happened on the border? Squat. Zip go. Nada. Nothing. Guys, I'm not on the Republican Party side. I'm not on the Democratic Party. I'm not on any politician side. I'm on the American people side. And most importantly, I'm on the principles bandwagon. And that is where I will stay. Will you join me? Because if you join me, I can't promise you, I'm not a politician. I'm not going to say, hey, if you join me on the principles bandwagon, everything's going to be rosy. Everything's going to be awesome. We won't have any problems. If I ever do that, or anyone ever does that, they're lying to you. But here's what I can say. If you join me on the principles bandwagon, and they're not my principles, they're your principles. They're the principles that made America exceptional in the first place. My God, you as a collective, as a people, will prosper like never before. You think the economy's good now? Wait till you see it, if you actually followed your founding principles. You think life is good now with all our technology and all our advancements? You wait until you see the American people unleashed. You wait till you see, till you start incentivizing people to start achieving and following their dreams again. My God, our future can be bright. If we start believing in the principles of freedom, there isn't an enemy in the world who can overcome us. There isn't an enemy in the world we can't defeat. Because here's the truth of the matter. Freedom always wins. Freedom is a powerful thing. A free person will always out-innovate, will always out-produce, will always be a better liver of life than someone who believes in fear, who is acting, who's creating, who's developing out of, well, if I don't do this, I'm going to be sent to a gulag. My God, my family could be executed. My family could be raped. I could lose everything in society. You just think of yourself. 
Which do you, would you prefer? Which would you come up with a great idea? If your boss said to you, you need to come up with a great idea tomorrow. Are you going to do that if the, the boss says, you need to come up with a great idea tomorrow or you're going to Siberia or your family will be butchered in front of you? Or if your boss says to you, you need to come up with a great idea and if you do, I'll give you a million dollars. Which is going to incentivize you more? Honest question. I want to apologize for missing last week's show. It's been a... To say it's been an eventful couple of... Probably a couple of months over here at this side of the aisle has been... uh, it would be an understatement. There's been a lot of stuff going on, but um, it's I've been going through a bit of a rough period. And uh, last week I missed because I was in an accident. And a lady, I was driving on the freeway and traffic all of a sudden hit. And, you know, I stopped, I saw it, and I'm fully stopped. And a lady went into the back of me and I jerked my back pretty good. And it's, it's, it's funny, I'm getting old. You know, when you get older, you start... Stuff happens to you that you just can't explain, but... And then uh, I, I've been I've been just dealing with an injury for a long time now, and I, I'm not a tough guy in the usual sense of it, but I, you know I can take a fair amount of pain, and I'm not great with doctors, and I've been covering it up and saying I'm fine, and I do a pretty very physical job, and I've been basically having pains in my shoulder and my left hand, and I've ignored it because I'm right hand dominant, so my right hand just has been lifting and doing all the weights and doing all the work. But this accident and then happened and then I went back to work too early and long story short, it's got really bad in the sense of my left hand has constant pins and needles or a pain that feels like, you know, if you've ever had a really bad cramp and then the cramp goes and then your muscle just is all tense. So I'm kind of actually really worried. So I'm actually off work for going to be a period of time, I think. Um, I'm going for two MRIs next week, which is, is just swell. You know, it's it's like bad news upon bad news. It's like, what's the solution? Well, you need to get two MRIs. And you're going to have to go into this. I'm a bigger guy. You know, if you've seen pictures, this is not, I'm not a small, I'm not a hundred pounds soaking wet, shall we say. And I got to go fit in a tube. And it's a nightmare for someone like me because, number one, I'm not claustrophobic. But being a big guy in limited space is not fun. Number two, having constant noise is not going to be fun for like 30 minutes and number three i my brain is like super active i can guarantee you i'm going to come up with like the greatest monologue of my life or what i think is the greatest monologue of my life in that tube and then by the time i get out and i start writing notes i'll have forgotten about it be like what what did i want to say what was the point what so yeah it's going to be fun so i'll keep you all posted but um i've been really behind on replying to messages for a couple of reasons one I actually went back to work and literally I was in work, came home nearly crying and just went to sleep most nights. But also, too, um, I, I'm like the if you imagine like someone who's like just found computers is like using one finger. Uh, it's really hard to use my left hand to type. So um, I, it's, oh, it's mad. It's but compared to everyone else's problems, my problems are light. But that's that's what's been going on with me. So but I'm going to be back behind this microphone even going forward because there's too much stuff to talk about there's too many things that we need to discuss and principles and just i can't be miss it and there's no reason i can but last week was just a bad week 
I want to share a couple of more popular opinions with you. Then I want to talk to you about what today is and what tomorrow is and about Easter and lessons we can learn. So I, I didn't spend too much time on the news this week, but it seems to be every story I saw was I was had an unpopular opinion about it. And people are like, oh, you can't say things like that. So first unpopular opinion. Actually, not the first. I've already shared a few with you. But in case you didn't know, the, there was a big fire in France this week. And a lot of people were upset about it. And my two unpopular opinions about this, well, one shouldn't be unpopular, but it seems to be in this world is at the exact same time or similar times to this big fire in the Notre Dame, the Alaska Mosque was on fire. And I saw a couple of people laughing about this. And I'm, I felt like saying, what's so funny? What is so funny? Can you imagine if Muslims were laughing at the Cathedral of Notre Dame being on fire and what you would think? What is going on? Are we pro-life or are we not? Are we actually pro, let's judge an individual by the content of his characters, or are we not? There is this idea that all of a sudden, you know, this party side and this side stuff, well, I'm only on the side of Christians. Is that what Christianity is about? Because we have to actually ask ourselves honest questions. Because I saw a meme this, this week, and I, I can't use the language in it, so I'll abbreviate what it said. And I'm like, we need to actually break down what's going on in society. And the meme was, F Muslims, but it didn't say F, if it used the whole word. Gets better. F liberals, and underneath it, with a big flag and a bit of sunshine, God bless America. Now, I don't know what Bible this person read it or whether he is a Christian or not. I don't know the person that shared it. But I don't know how those two things go together. As someone who actually believes in divine providence of America, do you really think God is going to continue to bless you with, hey, F Muslims and F liberals? Do you think that is the behavior God wants you to, hey, endorse? Just something to think about. The second thing, and I said this to one person. Actually, I said it to two. One person went, this is the most unchristian opinion I've ever heard you say, John. How could you ever say this? So I apologize if this offends somebody. But I watched the whole Notre Dame story. And I saw all these millionaires and billionaires and everyone else and regular folks donate to a fund. And as of recording of this show, they've raised over 900 million euros. Now, everyone was like, oh, this is awesome, isn't this? This is the human spirit. This is, John, this should be something you could get into. This is awesome. And I had to say, no, it's not. I found this so sad. I found this such, it's, it's ironic. It, I kind of feel like this highlights a problem of the day. We will raise and donate $900 million, or not, sorry, not $900 million, 900 million euros, which is over a trillion, a billion dollars. Billion, trillion, what's the difference in, in, in society today, right? It's all the same thing. It's just a lot of zeros. We will raise this amount of money to fix a building. 
We will raise this amount of money, you know, because, oh my God, there's a building that went on fire and we need to restore it. Yet right now, people are being butchered in the womb. Nothing. There is more people in slavery today than in the whole slave trade combined. Eh. In fact, on that story, I heard an interview with my good friend Tim Ballard. He was like, he lost a thousand dollars because he dare speak to Donald Trump. That's how political your country has become. That is how political your country has become. Talking to someone now makes you lose donors. All the issues going on. Poverty. Vets committing suicide. You don't get 900 million. You don't even get 100 million. Homelessness. Poverty. Think of, if you use that 900 million, just think of all the poverty you could solve. Think of all the opportunities you could create. But no, we don't do that. We, but when a building goes on fire, my God, we give that $900 million. Now, I want to be crystal clear about this because I don't want my words taken out of context. Am I saying those people are wrong? No. Am I judging those people? I am judging them, but I'm not condemning them. I believe in freedom. I believe in free choice. You have money, you can donate it ever which way you want. You want to go gamble it on Black Ace or Lucky Seven or roll a dice? I don't care. It's your money. You get the freedom to do what you wish. I would say the same thing if, they, if you know, all of a sudden there was something happened and all this money went to Planned Parenthood. I'd be like, it's your money. You donate to ever how you wish. Principles first. But what I am questioning is our society. What do we put precedence over? What do we put precedence over? A building or really bad things going on in society? Which should it be? If you are talking about a good, healthy society, which should raise $900 million and which should raise fifteen? Building a building or rescuing Christians from the Middle East? If society is healthy and it has its priorities in check, which should raise more money? Because here's the thing, I think it's 15 million or maybe it's 16 or maybe it's probably gone up by now what the Nazarene Fund raised with Glenn Beck. True, a lot of people who listen to this show and listen to The Blaze and support you. And what raised for a building? I'm not, dem- I'm not saying these people are bad people or their intents are bad. What I am saying is our priorities are kind of maybe the wrong way around. Just something to think about. This show is released every Saturday around 12 noon Eastern. We're unavailable on all platforms. We're on SoundCloud, iTunes, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, OmniFM, um, CastBox, any major platform. Look for Freedom's Disciples. Subscribe. Also, if you happen to listen on a platform like iTunes that has an algorithm, please leave us a rating and review. We can't do it without you. And that's how this show will get found by new people and new listeners. And that's how we grow it. Because the aim of this show is not to tell you what to think. The aim of this show is to get you to question. And I want to ask you, I want to talk to you about some principles that are close to this time of year. Depending on when you're listening, this show is released on Easter Saturday. 
you might listen on Easter Sunday or Easter Monday or, you know, sometime during the week. I want to talk to you about Easter. And I want to talk to you about it, not from a, hey, you know, you got to find Jesus. You got to welcome Jesus into your life. But I want to talk to you about the principles behind that day. Whether you actually are a Christian and, you know, you are, you know, you believe in the, he was crucified, he was, you know, and he rose after three days, you know, that story. Or you actually just believe in, you know, it's a myth. Or you, you know, what, what, regardless of what you believe, you know, if you're a Jew and you don't believe this, there are some principles we can learn from that day. I say, my aim is not to convert you to Christianity, but I want to talk to you about the principles of that day. Because there are lessons we can learn. There's a reason why my life is based on principles and not people. Because if you follow the crowd around people, you will eventually be led astray. At some point, it's inevitable. Principles will never lead you astray because principles are consistent. When I talk about America and America, hey, why America is an exceptional nation, it's not because of, hey, you're America. It's not, hey, you're, you're just Americans and you're just better. It's about what I call the idea of America. Those principles that you have a right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, or, you know, whether it's the First Amendment, your right to free speech and free association, or the right to privacy, whatever right we're talking about, I would say these consistently, regardless of who holds power, regardless of whether they're popular or not, and whether it's 1700, 2019, or 2300. If I'm like, you know, technology keeps advancing, and, you know, they chop my head off, and I go in a monkey body, and I'm still alive in 2300, which, wow, could you imagine? You're all screwed if I'm alive at 2300, by the way. You know, I'm gonna, that's my long-term plan. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bore you into submission to follow the principles that we talk about here. But I'll still talk about the same stuff, because they're eternal. What's the first lesson we can learn from Easter? Don't follow the crowd. Because again, whether you're a Christian or whether you just know the story, what happened with the people there who had no principles in the crowd? When Pilate was bringing the case against them and he was going to the people going, hey, I'll free someone, you choose. You can free anybody you want. Who did they free? They didn't free Jesus. Whether you believed he was the son of man or whether you just believe he was someone special or whether you just believed he was just a guy who talked about love. He's not the son of God. He's no one special. He's just another guy. Who did you choose to release? That person? Nope. You released Barabbas, a thug. When you are going with the will of the people, you're not going to be right all the time. In fact, you're going to be wrong quite a lot of the time. That is why principles are eternal and the law of man is failed, is fought. It won't happen because man is open to emotions. Man is open to wave elections. Again, it's why America is built the way it is. Not bringing this back to America because I don't want to compare it. But people, you know, one of the biggest complaints I have from people on both sides of the aisle, regardless of whether they're Republicans or Democrats or conservatives, is they want things done quicker. They want things done now. Hey, I just want a wall and I want it now. I just want this bill now. Guess what? Government was built not to do things quickly. Not because of this story of Barabbas, but because your founders understood wave elections. Man is open to emotions. 
that you know at a certain period of time something may happen that may influence you unduly more than you would normally be if you were more calm and more rational and more well thought out about things that's why you have the system of government you have where people are elected every two years every four years and every six years so that if you have a wave election one election it has to be more than a wave to influence your country in long term that it actually has to be a long-term wave. It has to be a movement. Back to Easter. Man was just all about Barabbas. It forgot all about the deeds of Jesus. Hey, I just want Barabbas. Who do you want? You can have Jesus. No, we want Barabbas. Give me Barabbas. Barabbas, baby. Secondly, second story we can learn. Sometimes it's really hard to be brave it's so really hard to be brave and sometimes we give in to our fears and we give in to our fears because of fear of the people of the if we get caught out for our opinion what's going to happen you know a certain individual in this story denied jesus three times before the cock crew it's easy And obviously, a lot of people go, well, I'd never do that. Really? Are you a conservative? No, 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 no. How many times have you hidden your your vote? How many times have you hidden your view? How many times have you been put into a corner where you're like, no, you know what? I'm just going to go into this party and I'm saying nothing. Hey, I'm guilty of this, by the way. I'm not not casting stones. I, I do this in Ireland a lot. I go to, I don't go out very often, but the few times I do generally i'm like i'm not talking because it ain't gonna go well just sit down shut up and you know have a soda you know it's not worthwhile having those conversations well are you a are you a conservative no 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 no, i'm not one of those no (coughs) next question we all do it sometimes it's hard next question that's going to make a lot of people uncomfortable in this audience potentially what's important winning or losing Because so many people today, all they want to do is win. Well, here's a question. If all you want to do is win, here's a question for you. Did Jesus win? Is there any way in man's law and man's way of thinking you can go, hey, Jesus was caught. All Jesus did was good things. He got caught. He was tried. He was crucified. He was condemned. Was that winning? Does that look like winning? Does that, honestly, is there anyone who could say, yeah, Jesus won, if you're not a Christian? If you don't believe in the whole, yeah, he died for our sins, and then he, after the third day he rose and ascended into heaven? Is there any way you can look at Jesus, the story, not as a Christian, but as a person, and go, Jesus won? Sometimes losing is winning. I know that's going to confuse a lot of people, but sometimes People looking like they're going to lose means they actually win in the end. Because that is the story of Jesus. Next principle I'd ask you to think about this weekend. So many people, I have friends on both sides of the aisle. I know people always go, well, really? I do. I don't have to agree with you on principles to, you know, be a friend. There are people who, we disagree on pretty much everything, but they're a decent person. They just want a hell of a lot more bigger government than I do. They don't have the same love for the Constitution that I do. 
but they they believe in sort of a version of capitalism, but they just like, you know, they want a big safety net. I disagree. But that doesn't make them bad people. Doesn't make them, hey, well, they're liberals, F them. They're Democrats, F them. I have friends who are Muslims. Well, they're Muslims, F them. There's a difference, by the way, between Muslims and Islamists. We've spoken about this in the past, but that's not now is not the time. Bad people or people who are guilty of certain things or people who you might look down on in society can do good things. This weekend, we need to remember that. Two stories. One, when Jesus is on the cross, again, whether you believe he's the son of God or not is irrelevant. The story. Can you learn from the story? One of the criminals who was beside him, who was a criminal, said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Even this guy who, I don't know know, how much bad he was or what bad things he did in society, but even him had that moment of clarity. Everyone can have that. There is no, hey, you're totally bad or you're totally good. We're all flawed. But also, on that side, you know, people ask, how can you change the world? How, how can you make the world a better place? How can you, you know, make a difference? Sometimes it's the simplest things. Sometimes it's not like, hey, well, I gave a million dollars to, you know, to the, the cathedral in Notre Dame to make that better. And look at me and you have your photo up and you have all these op-eds written about you. Oh, what a swell guy you were. Sometimes, as we learn from the Bible, it's the small things. You could just put ointment in someone's hair and wash their hair and prepare them for what's happening. Even though you know nothing about what's about to happen, you feel called to do it. It is the simplest story. Also, I think this is something that Christians specifically never get told. It's okay to be afraid. It's okay to question stuff. It's okay to be like, God, you know, I try and live a good life, but man, I'm getting screwed. Even Jesus called out and was like, oh my God, why have you forsaken me? In his most human moment ever. We can have those same feelings. We just have to question it and find our way back. But lastly... The message of Jesus. I want to talk to you about two last big principles. One is what is the message of Jesus? Again, whether you believe he's the son of God or whether you believe he was a prophet or whether you believe he was just someone who lived one time and just lived a life. What was his message? Love. Love. You know, even if from a Christian point of view, where you have all these commandments and all these rules of how to live a life, quote-unquote, he came along and went, you know what? Love God and love me. Love one another. Simple. You can 
follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter at Freedom Disciple. On Facebook, Jonathan Dunn 58. Send me a friend request. Send me a follow. I follow back. I engage with you. Send me a private message if you agree with me or you disagree with me, or especially if you want me to discuss some things on shows. I've got some great requests recently, and I'm gonna I'm planning them and researching them and making sure I present them in the best way possible. So if you have something you want me to talk about, an issue. Drop me a message on either one, Twitter, Freedom's Disciple, Jonathan Dunn 58 on Facebook. And I want to talk to you lastly about the biggest lesson I think we can learn on Easter. Not from a Christian point of view, but just from a world point of view. Why, and this is just my opinion, but I'm going to make the case for you. What was the biggest reason Jesus was crucified? There are many reasons that all played into it. Again, if you're a Christian, you'll say, well, it was the path laid out for him. It was for the redemption of our sins. It was to make a new covenant. If you, want, if you don't believe, per se, from the Christian point of view, if you're just looking at it as a story, you could say, well, he upset the order. He upset the apple cart. You know, he was, he was questioning the authority of the, you know, the chief priests and the scribes and the politicians. And there's a lot of truth to all of those answers. But I also believe there's a bigger lesson that happened then. And it happens in society time and time and time again. We make this mistake all around the world on such a regular basis. And that is, when things get bad, when things get tough, here's what we want. We want a sword. And sometimes... We don't need a sword, we need a heart. It's so easy to think we need a leader to get our enemies. So many religions in some ways are built on this. They're built on a savior, quote unquote, coming and being the final wrecking ball. You know, the great equalizer. That you'll have this person who's going to run in on a, you know, on a white cape and just destroy all their enemies. And then parody, all the good will be left and that's all how the world works. Christianity is different. Now Christianity has acted in different ways at different times. And Christianity has done some horrific things as Christian people. But Christian people are flawed. The ideology is not. Sometimes, a lot of times, we don't need a sword. We need love. And maybe more importantly, we need forgiveness. That is why I believe one of the big reasons Jesus was crucified. Because he questioned everything. People were wanting a leader. People were wanting this great equalizer. And then all of a sudden you have this guy coming along. Well, I'm the son of God. And just love each other. And help each other. And love God. Well, where's, where's my vengeance? I want... He, he's the problem. Get him. Nah, you gotta love him. Well, how many times do I have to forgive my brother? Seven times? No, 77 times. Oh, no, that's so hard. No, 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 get him. He's wrong. It's human nature. We all do it. And we do it today even to a more extreme. As someone who has friends on both sides of the aisle, I see this. I have my Democratic friends who are going, oh it's, just, oh, it's just Donald Trump. Everything in America is Donald Trump's problem. Oh, Donald Trump. Oh, my God. 
Oh, don't get me started on the Republican Party. Oh, my friends on the right are the same. It's all Barack Obama's fault. It's all Nancy Pelosi's fault. It's all the Democratic Party. It's all these. It's all these progressives, John. I get it. But who actually changed the world? If you actually look back again, let's not make this about Christianity, because I know a lot of people who listen are not Christians. Again, I'm not converting you. I'm not like, hey, you got to get yourself some Jesus. I'm not doing that. That's not my job. I'm just asking you to question things. Look around at society for the last. 60 years and ask yourself worldwide who has made who are the names that have made the most influence who who are the names that everyone knows even if they know very little about them who are the names that everyone knows now sure you can make some arguments for like say jfk i think everyone knows jfk in large part because you know of who he was and you know he obviously made history and but also because he was assassinated. It was the great kind of moment for Western civilization, quote-unquote. Where were you the day Kennedy was shot? You know, there are people who will remember the 9-11 terrorists. There are people who will remember the World Trade Center bombings, the first ones, in the 90s. You might remember the Oklahoma bombing. But who has influenced society in a positive way over the last 60 years that everyone knows... And they're not all Americans, by the way. In fact, the list I've come up with, I've come up with three big people, and two of them are not American. Here are the three people I think who have influenced society, you know, who everyone could universally agree. It's not left or right, but they've influenced society in a large way. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Gandhi, and Nelson Mandela. An Indian, a South African, and American. That should be a joke, by the way. An Indian, a South African, and an American walked into a bar one day. Mind you, it doesn't really work. You, you kind of need an Irishman to fill in that joke, don't you? It, it always has to, it has, when it's a bar, it has to be an Irishman. You know, so I don't know what you would do. Maybe, hey, I could go along, you know. <laughs> Gandhi, Nancy Mandela, and Martin Luther King and Freedom's Disciple walked into a bar one day. And none of them ordered beer. <laughs> um, but that's a side point. Who, why did they influence society? Because of the two reasons I spoke about. Love and forgiveness. I'd ask you just to walk in their shoes. Think of yourself as Martin Luther King. We've spoken about him a lot on this show over the years. And it's sad that when I talk about Martin Luther King, or when I've spoken about Nelson Mandela in the past, you know the first reaction for a lot of people is, well, they're communists. Okay, first off, why does that matter? We're talking about, when I'm talking about them, they're talking about certain principles. But second of all, can you really be a communist and talk about love? I believe you can believe the communist principles of, hey, let's have a lot of government. Let's have a fair income of, uh, a fair proportion of income for everyone. And you can believe in all the, you know, the welfare programs and stuff and, you know, less profits. But, you know, usually communists end up killing people. I don't think, you know, with Mandela and Martin Luther King, you can go, well, they're totally going to kill people. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But why did they influence society? Because they spoke about love. They spoke about reconciliation. Martin Luther King, I've spoken about a lot in the past, because if you actually listen to his words, 
He didn't look to the past. He didn't look to, hey, we have all these problems. He looked and painted a brighter tomorrow. Nelson Mandela did, did a lot of similar traits. Gandhi. But also, they had forgiveness in their heart. Now, I know people want to say, well, Martin Luther King, you know, towards the end, right before he died, was getting a bit angry. That's a human nature thing. Can you imagine spending all your life trying to make the case for peaceful resistance to racism and no one's listening to you? Can you believe living his life, getting frustrated? Would you get frustrated? You're frustrated with liberals right now over what? Can you imagine where literally people are saying, hey, you're black, you don't count the same as I do because I'm white. Can you imagine just even one aspect Can you imagine, this to my conservative friends, can you imagine just one story about Martin Luther King and how you would react and how you would feel? Where you apply for a gun permit and your own government says, and I quote, you're not getting one for your own protection. I'm sorry, what? I'm getting asking for a gun because I'm fearful for my life. Yeah, yeah, we can't trust you with a gun, but it's for your own protection. It's It's not because you might do something stupid, it's for your own protection. Can you imagine... Your government telling you that right now, would you, how, how would you react? Would you react peacefully or would you be as angry as hell? Think about Gandhi, who was in jail all those years. Do you think that would make you kind of, oh, I don't know, angry, resentful, peed off, like I want to get them? I'm not here to convert you to anything. I'm here to get you to question This world right now has plenty of anger. This world has plenty of hatred. Do we need to add to it? Again, when I spoke about the Cathedral of Notre Dame, I said, hey, you have 900 million and you have 15 million. If our world has got the right priorities, who's who's getting the 15 million to rebuild a cathedral or to rescue kids or to rescue Christians? I'll ask you the exact same question about love and hate. In a healthy society, how much love should we have and how much hate should we have? And now look around at our society today. Is it in the right proportions? Is it? Or can we influence it? Because it's always easy to say, well, I'm only one person, John. I can't change the world. I can't change the amount of hate and love there is. Yes, you can. Because it's like... You change your attitude, you inspire other people to change theirs. We have to stop looking to politicians, to leaders, to, well, we look at a leader today and go, well, who's the politician? No, leaders in society are not always politicians. You want to know who I blame most for society's downfalls right now? It's not Democrats. It's not Republicans. It's not Donald Trump. It's not even Barack Obama. You know who the large chart of it is? It's Christians. Christians don't live their words. We're great at talking our words sometimes. But when it comes to living it, we're really bad at it. Christians need to be a better example. And Christians need to be better examples among their fellow Christians. Because if we don't, Especially in America, where America, a nation that was built on Judeo-Christian values. 
A nation that was built on two role models, Moses and Jesus. If you don't start standing up and Christians don't start standing up in America, here's what is going to happen. You're going to wake up one day and find you live in the United Kingdom. Or worse, you're going to find out you live in Nazi Germany. What do I mean by those two references? There was a poll done this week by the BBC. Yes, I know the BBC's tainted, but there is some credibility and truth to this poll. That the majority of Christians do not think Jesus died for their sins. Now the easy answer is, and I saw some Americans responded as well, they're not real Christians. Well, who is? Who is a real Christian? Who is? It's the easy answer. Oh, they're not real Christians. They don't count. Is the answer? Is that the answer? Or is the answer to actually have conversations and go, hey, why don't you believe this? Let's have a conversation. Let's question with boldness everything. But what was the Nazi Germany reference, John? Well, you see, Nazi Germany, before it became really bad in the like 19, late 1930s, early 40s, was, well, you know, they started talking about Christians. You read some of Hitler's words from the 1930s, you'll see him talk about Christianity. And he went into the Christian churches, and then all of a sudden, over a period of time, the crucifix was there, and then it was gone, and it was replaced with a swastika. Because their foundations weren't strong enough. And we all know how Nazi Germany ended. Let's not have that repeat again. The world is very simple, guys and girls. Whether you believe in Christianity, whether you're a Jew, whether you're a Muslim, whether you're a deist, whether you're an atheist, whether you're a Buddhist, whether you're a spiritualist, I don't care. You fill in the blank. The history of this world has always been filled with bad people. Bad people will always do bad things. There will always be people who will do things to get ahead for themselves. They'll lie, they'll cheat, they'll steal, they'll murder, they'll rape, they'll pillage. Whether they're kings and queens or whether they're just your everyday neighbor. There will always be bad people in this world. There is no way to stop that. There is no way to live in a society, a utopia where no bad thing happens. That just does not happen. It is never going to happen. Why? Because again, whether you're a Christian or an atheist or a Muslim, there is a thing called free choice. You are responsible for your actions. So no matter what you do, no matter what plans the planners come up with, there will always be bad people. The history of the world is not based on the bad people. The history of the world is based on the good people. The history of the world is based on, well, do the good people follow suit? Do the good people see the bad people in society and go, you're wrong. Stop. That we stand up for those who haven't got a voice. That we stand up for those who are defenseless. That we stand up for people who cannot stand for themselves. Whether they're Jews, whether they're the trade unionists, whether they're communists, whether they're liberals, whether they're progressives. When they're wrong, that we stand with them. That we don't judge by a label, but we actually stand on principles. Or do the good people go, you know what, screw it, I can't get ahead. They broke the law, they got ahead, they got rewarded, you know what, I'm going to go join them. And all of a sudden, no one stands for good anymore. That is the history of the world, but it's also true to finish up on America. 
The history of America has been filled in 300 years of people who did not want to follow the Constitution. It's always been that way. This idea of limited government is new. It is unique. It is exceptional. It's what makes America different. This idea of limited government, you're the exact opposite to every other nation past or present. It is new, still new in the history of the world. If you believe the world is only 6,000 years old, or if you're more liberal and not Christian, you may believe it's 3 billion years old. Well, regardless of whether it's 6,000 or 6 billion, 300 years of America is a blip. This idea of limited government is still a relatively new idea in the history of mankind. There has always been people who want to undermine it. The question isn't about who wants to undermine it. The question is those who want to defend it. Are they going to remain resolute in defending it and standing for it? Or are they going to give up? Are they going to succumb to the Leviathan and just give up? Because, hey, I'm only one person. Because, gang, this is Easter. And again, whether you believe in Jesus as your savior or as a prophet or as someone just who lived... The fact we're still talking about him 2,000 years later shows he had an influence on society. That's one man. One man can make a difference. One woman can make a difference. If you say they can't, it's a cop-out. It's an easy answer. Trust me, I know. There are times I, there's not a week or even sometimes a day that goes by that I don't go, you know what, screw it, I'm, I give up. I quit. I just can't do it anymore. Trust me, I come with, I have those thoughts a lot. But you know what makes me keep going? You do. But also the idea that if I give up, who's going to talk about the principles I talk about? Regardless of whether you think I'm right or wrong, there are very few people who talk about what I talk about. Very few. And if I stop, that's one less person. And I don't care if I'm the last person to talk about America being an exceptional nation. I will do it. I will do it because it is true. Because it is principled. Because this world is not based on the bad people in this world. This world is based on what the good people do. It's why I finish this show the same way each and every week. America is great because Americans are good. That isn't about Donald Trump. That isn't about Barack Obama. I don't care who's in the White House. I don't care who's in Congress. America has never been defined by your politicians. America's never been defined by who owns the White House. America's never been defined by your states. America's been defined by your people. And the history of your people is you are a good people. You are a noble people. You are a loving people. You are the people who help people around the world, who have stand for the voiceless, who have stood up against evil. And that is what I will continue to encourage you to do. And I will link arms with you every time. I finish this show the way we always finish. By saluting the police, the firefighters, the emergency personnel. You know, the men and women who risk everything to be and have and to serve for a better tomorrow. And lastly, I salute you, the great American people. America is great because Americans are good. Until next week. Don't forget to check out freedomsdisciple.com for your shirts, for your hoodies. All profits go to Mercury One for the Nazarene Fund. And I'll see you next Saturday. Have a beautiful and blessed and peaceful Easter.
freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. 